Hey everyone, I know you've heard me speak about microdosing and how much I love it. And I'm talking about microdosing THC. I love it. And that's why I love our sponsor, microdose.com. Microdose gummies are incredible. They deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And when I mean just the right amount of good, I mean in so many situations, anxiety, sleep, focus, pain, relaxation. There are so many different strains and they're really helpful. And I have recommended microdose.com to so many people. And you know what they say to me? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be afraid of microdosing. Go to microdose.com and you'll learn all about microdosing THC. These gummies feel amazing. They taste amazing. I have used them to get me into the zone I need to write. I've used them at night after a stressful day or a stressful show to relax. I have also said to family members, please take a gummy right now. And they've said, oh, good idea. So check it out. Check it out because they're fantastic. And I'm not like a big weed person. I mean, I used to be. And I do enjoy, I do enjoy weed every now and then, but I love, I love these gummies and I take them with me everywhere. So check it out. Don't be afraid. They're all natural. They're fantastic. And you deserve it. So what are you going to do? You're going to do something that is fantastic. You're going to get 30% off your first order. 30% off. That's a lot. Plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Use promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. It's available nationwide. They deliver it to your door. That is microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold for 30% off and free shipping. Do it. Go to microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold. You deserve it. You deserve it. And you know what else? You're welcome. Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. Let's bring her out. The star attraction, the one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ms. Judy Gold. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, it's funny because I've wanted this guest on the podcast for a long time, but I wanted to do it in person. And now, because there's a pandemic, I'm not doing anything in person. So ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only Emmy Peabody Award winning, also a fake doctor, hilarious comedian, musician, legend. Jonathan Katz is here, everyone. Woo! That's it for the audience, Jonathan. Thank you a little bit. Okay. Jonathan, first of all, I just have to say to everyone here, a lot of people will know you from Dr. Katz, which was on Comedy Central, blah, blah, blah. But I knew you before Dr. Katz. I knew you as a, when I was starting out, as a very hilarious and well-respected, uh, successful stand-up comedian. Where, where did you start out? Did you start at the improv? I start, you started at the improv, uh, right. And, right? In like 
the seventies, right? No, no, in eighty one. In eighty one, that's right. Yeah, it was older than most people when they started. Yeah. And I was at the improv by like 85, but I was really, I was a catch rising star. Right. Uh, that was the first club. So I did, you know, I did all three clubs, but yeah, I've always been a huge fan of yours. Now, Jonathan, besides the fact that I've never been on Dr. Katz. Wait, wait I want to see how long it took you to bring that up, but I'm not yeah. wearing a watch. I'm just looking at my So let's see, that would be about, you know, two and a half minutes, three minutes. And I have a lot of insecurities about that because, you know, there's certain shows you want to do because, but that show, you know, it's an A-list show with an A-list doctor. What did I do to you? You Just so I can get it out of the way. Yes. You know how many people think I'm an actually, actually a therapist? Yes, I know. Seven. But Judy, do you remember the last time we saw each other? You were at a show. I think was it at in in Newton? Yeah, and you came with Dana Friedman. I did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was after my show. Why was Dana Friedman there? I don't know because she had become involved in my life through you, right? With the help, with your help. And Dana ran my did my my website for years. Yes, and did a wonderful job, and then I moved on. Yeah, and now Dana wants is a stand up. It's so funny how so many people work with stand ups, but they really just want to be a stand up. Yeah, like Laura, my producer. Anyway, Jonathan, can we start? So we're not going to talk about the fact that you don't want me on your very successful show even though I've been in therapy since I'm 18 years old and I'm very self-aware, yeah. just letting you know. What's, what was your therapist's name? My therapist, as you know, I have a joke about that. My therapist has the same name as my mother, mommy. Huh. So, <laughs> but she does have Ruth, Ruth. Ruth was my mother's name and Ruth is my therapist's name. Dr. Katz, we will get back to this topic that you're trying to avoid. So you were born uh, in New York. You you uh, ba- you grew up in Bayside, Queens, correct? No. You went to Bayside High School. Yeah, but I grew up in Sheepshead Bay. Sheepshead Bay, same thing. They all have bays in them. Uh, you grew up in Sheepshead Bay. You're the son of Hungarian immigrants from Budapest. Is that correct? Just my dad. My mother was from Minsk. Mom- Your mother was from Minsk. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something now, which is another reason I should be on your show. My mother. Judy, my show is long gone. You're doing live versions now with big straws. Not if I can help it. Okay. Jonathan, um, you're, I am half Hungarian and half Polish. Hold me. (laughs) Um, My family's from Budapest. So, um, which is why we look exactly alike. Mike, my, my, I, have, I have a cousin, Pichu, in Budapest. He actually was my dad's cousin. He's probably dead. Yeah. But, but that's my only reason for going. And my, and my daughter, Miranda, went to Budapest. Really? Your daughter, Miranda? Yeah. Just She took a tour of Europe by herself when she was about 24 years old. No way. Yeah. Um, she just went to Europe by herself at 24? 
Yeah. I love people like that do that. I thought it was so brave. Yeah. How, how like alone, like yeah. I want to be able to turn to someone and say like, should we do this? Should we do that? Uh, where are we going today? What are we eating? Yeah, I, the people who travel alone, I find them to be fascinating. My sister did that too, but I, I just, don't you think that's a little very adult and Oh yeah. Yeah. And brave. Yeah. You're right. It's brave. She's now 29 years old, but my other daughter, Julia. Yeah. 38. And she has two children who oddly enough are my grandchildren. What? Yeah. I have two grandchildren. Oh, you're so old. I'm 74 years old. I know you're 74 years. You look good. You look exactly the same. Actually. You just have a little gray on the side here. Well, when you lose your hair when you're 16. Is that true? Well, maybe closer to 18. So your father's name was Sydney. Yeah. What was your mother's name? I couldn't find it anywhere. My mother's name was Julia. And if you want to learn about my parents, you have to go on the FBI's website because they're both. Communists? Yeah. Oh, my God. They were Jewish communists? Yep. And so what was that like? Like. And you had a sister, right? You grew up with a sister. She's still alive. My sister Phyllis. Yeah. Puerto Rico. Did she marry a Jew? She did, but then she divorced that Jew and married Jose Montalvo. Okay. And did she have kids with the Jew or with Montalvo? Montalvo. Wow. Thank God, you know, thank God Julia and Sydney aren't here for the uh, non Jewish great grandchildren or grandchildren? Grandchildren. Yeah. Okay, so Jonathan. No, great-grandchildren. It'll be their great-grandchildren. Oh, right. That's right. You're, okay, so. Two kids, right? I have two kids, Henry and Ben. Who do you like better? Who do I like better? Hmm. You know, it changes. Yeah. They both get on my nerves equally, and I both love them. But, you know, they definitely switch which one it's get. Don't you think? You know, because most people won't admit that, like, you know, certain days I like one more than the other. You're not allowed to have a favorite child, but I think you're allowed to have a favorite grandchild. You are? Yeah, as as long as you don't tell the, the other kid or their parents. Right. So you have a favorite grandchild? Yeah. Which one? Oh, no. <laughs> You are outrageous, young lady. I know. I'm really edgy today. Jonathan, I do. I love to talk about people's childhoods. So I really want to know, you were born in 1940. What? Go ahead. I was going to say, this is the thing that sort of defined my childhood. My sister is two and a half years older than me. Right. And when I was born, she asked my parents if she could have a stick to hit me with. And they said, yes. Is that true? Yes, it's true. I don't know if I believe you. No, it's true. And I can, I have documents to back it up from my Uncle Abe. Uh Uh-huh. From my Uncle Sam. But, you know, and for many years, we did not get along. Well, as little kids, we got along beautifully. And then many years, we did not get along. And now we talk almost daily. She's, I'm 74 and she's 76 and a half. Right. And we talk almost daily. Did you fight, like physically fight a lot? I think she tried to stab me 
Oh, no, I tried to stab her with a letter opener. It sounds like such a happy home that you no, grew up yeah. in. Well, you know, I was, I was always into her friends. Right. Um, well, you're the youngest. I was like that. I thought my sister and brother's friends were cool. And then I realized they're both really nerdy. And I, they were, yeah, I totally, plus you're a boy. So you were it, it straight. Crazy. Huh? It drove her nuts that I even wanted to stay up until midnight on New Year's Eve to okay. hang out with her and Rita. Who's Rita? Rudner? No, Rita was my sister's best friend when she was a kid. Um, I'm going to tell you a story about New Year's Eve. This is what my brother and sister did to me New Year's Eve, okay, because I'm the youngest. So my parents would always go out for you know to a friend's for a dinner party on New Year's Eve. And then they'd leave us at home, my brother and my sister and myself, at home with like a shitload of candy. Like it was like all the shit we weren't allowed to eat. So one day, so I'm the youngest and um, we're sitting on the couch and I think it was about 10 o'clock and they're like, happy new year, happy new year. And I'm like, wait, what's going on? I thought the ball, they're not doing the ball this year. Good night, good night. And so they put me upstairs and put me to bed. And about midnight, I, I wake up to screaming and yelling because they fucking lied to me. And that's the story of my childhood. Oh, Jesus. It's I know. So well, it's... next week, let's let's pick up next week where we left off this week. No, doctor, I need to talk about. So um, would your, were your parents sort of hidden communists or was well, they, did you grow up in an enclave of, you know? No, we, we moved a lot. And my sister and I never understood it. We lived eight different places in New York City. No way. Yeah, and my parents are both um, indicted by the by the House on American Activities Committee. No way. No. How old were you? I I think the first time I turned them in, I was- Hey uh, now! Whoa. I, I was about 10 and my sister was about 12. And it really didn't sink on me until I was an adult. Well, how traumatic that must have been. So did they go to, they didn't go to jail, did they? No, they took the fifth. Did, who else did they, were you surrounded by, you know, people who were, you know, part of this? The only thing I can tell you is that anybody who describes it as a party is lying to you. Right. There's no fun involved. Okay. Why do you think, when you hear politicians today talk about like, you know, the, the Democrats are communists. Like, that must totally push your buttons. It's so fucking crazy, Judy. The, the Republicans. They just, it would take much more for them. They'd have to do much more to get me right involved emotionally. I don't know. I mean, do you distrust the government? I mean, are you, do you feel that your politics are completely just because of the way you grew up that 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 you have different political views than no no i i i was not interested in politics mm-hmm. at all growing up i, I went to goddard college yep with david mamet i was interested with- in sex and drugs and rock and roll i'm sorry for that. right and i and some nights i would skip the rock and roll did you, were you popular in high school? 
I had one friend in high school, and I'm not, I'm not sure he liked me. Oh, what well, I know, I know. Wait, I, I read this. Hold on. You I'll had a this. that you sat at the bus with. He, you would get yeah. on the bus with him. Yeah, Alfonso Grimes. Yeah, I have that written down. Alfonso Grimes, and yeah. you took the bus together. He became a track star. No way. Yeah, a really com- like nationally competitive track star. And now where is he? At the bus stop. Waiting for you. Yeah. <laughs> so you really were a loner? You were just a loner? Well, I had another life uh, totally separate from high school was we when we lived in Queens or in two places in Queens at different times, um, I would take the Long Island Railroad into Manhattan and go to 96th and Broadway. Mm-hmm where I would go to Marty Reisman's Table Tennis Club. That's right. And in 1964, you were the New York State ping pong champion. Yeah. But Marty Reisman, the first time I went there, I took the bus across town. We were living at 90, 90th, 90th and Lex at the time. Mm-hmm. I took the cross town bus, bus. And I went there with my mom, also named Julia. Marty Reisman hustled me. He played, insisted on playing me for money. I used the ping pong racket, and he used a chess piece, and he won. No way. What yeah. chess piece? I think it was the bishop, because they could move diagonally. Right. <laughs> hey, everyone. You know what I just did? I tore. I poured. And I enjoyed a packet of Liquid IV because I love Liquid IV. Liquid IV is a major part of my life. And I just worked out with my trainer and I had a delicious lemon ginger liquid IV. That one has a little extra that has a little green tea in it, and so that's a little caffeinated. So I enjoy that because I needed it today. And, you know, it's getting warmer out, and what does that mean? Summer. Oh, God, please come. It can't come soon enough. And that means you have to hydrate. And that's what Liquid IV does. It hydrates you with benefits like electrolytes, vitamins, and clinically tested nutrients. And it has three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in one little stick. And that's why Liquid IV is the number one powered hydration brand in America. Okay? And I love it. I use it every day. Ben's basketball team uses it. It is a science-backed formula that works. It keeps you hydrated. And they have sugar-free. They have sugar-free packets in white peach, green grape, raspberry melon, and lemon lime. Okay? I didn't do the sugar-free. Okay. But Elisa does the sugar-free. So what are you going to do? You're going to stay hydrated because it's very, very important. And Liquid IV has been a longtime sponsor, and I love them. And they are a quality product. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to turn your ordinary, ordinary, can't speak. Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and use code Judy Gold at checkout. That's J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. 
That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, can't even say my name, at liquidiv.com. Got it? You're welcome. So you were basically a loner who played ping pong and music. Wait, it took violin lessons. With like a famous violinist or just at school or? No, she she was a a well-known viola player. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't, I could not produce a good vibrato. Right. Her name was Charlotte Rosen, and she would shake me, and she'd say, vibrate, vibrate. Um, <laughs> and I don't do impressions. Um, and she'd say, vibrate, and you're sure she wasn't a lesbian? Good night, everybody. God, I'm funny. My, my in-laws are, are Orthodox Jews. They, they have two satellite dishes. Boy, I don't get to tell that joke often. Right. I have jokes. I also have jokes that only Jews would get. You know yeah. what I mean? I love that I can do different material for the Jews. Like I just thought of a joke uh, the other day that I haven't finished, but something about the fact that I have a friend who's non-binary and for the Jews in the audience, that's also known as parv. Thank you. That's good. That's good. You like it? Yeah, I do. Do you write jokes down? I have a notebook. And I write, I either record them or I write them down and then I bring them on stage and I uh, try to talk them through. But you, can I say something? First of all, can I, you, you are a joke writer. You are a. I don't write them down. I write down the bullet points. That's what I, yeah. yeah. And then 30 years from now, from then, it means nothing. That is the same um, I go through my old notebooks and I'm like, wait, what is that joke about? And it's really annoying. Yeah. But Joan, Joan Rivers, of course, had an entire catalog with each joke written down. Um, but I'm not, I don't have that brain. Ask Robert Klein. He Robert, was, same? Yeah, he, on a computer. He was the most organized com- comedian ever. Wow. I got to do that. Except I'd probably kill myself in the process. You went to Goddard, which is sort of, it was a newer college, right? When you went, don't you think? It's only, it was only 30 something years old. But you could actually get credit for taking drugs there. What was it like? It was, was it like a Hampshire? What was it like? Yeah, it it was, it was like Hampshire, but not as, not as uh, academically oriented as Hampshire is. So, my daughter went to Hampshire, uh-huh. and she loved it there because she knew she went there with a plan. I went to Goddard with no plan. I went there with my ping pong racket and a doctor's bag, and look at you now, and some clothes. Did your sister go to college? She also went to Goddard. How is was it a place for communists? What what I don't know. I studied I studied at New Paltz. Right, SUNY. And I hated it, with the exception of Susan Feinblum, who's my first girlfriend. Mm, Susan! Yeah. But I was afraid to kiss her because it seemed sanitary. I wouldn't even share, I wouldn't even share a soda with her. 
And then I shared every thing with her and it was wonderful. Oh my God, you're out of your mind. Yeah. Did did you do well? I mean, were you academically in high school? Did you do well? Not particularly. I did I did well at New Paltz in music theater theory. Right. But the only thing I really did well, I'd fall asleep during the history of Western civilization. Right. Well, understandable. Yeah. Were you bar mitzvahed? Yes, twice. No, no, just once. Were, was your sister bat mitzvahed? No. Mm. My wife was, and I have recordings of both my wife and myself. Her bat mitzvah and my bar mitzvah. Wait, she was bat mitzvahed at a young age or as an adult? As, no, no, at, at 13. Okay. You know, some of them get vomits for later. Yeah, um, nine years younger than me. She is? Yes. Wow, you really robbed a cradle. Yeah, and everyone in my family, all, and my daughters are nine years apart. And we are, in fact, the nine table, Judy. Really? Every nine years, we're nine years apart. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah, like, what, like when, I'm, when my daughter's... Well, the last time it happened was when I was 72. Mm -hmm. And my daughter, Julia, was 37. My other daughter, Mandy, was... 28? No, that's not a a nine-table number. This is very exciting. I'm going to get more listeners from this conversation right now. Um, Okay. So you met David Mamet at Goddard College, correct? Jewish. Um, and did you write together there? No, he, we just cracked each other up so much. He's an incredibly funny guy. He did write a play there called mm-hmm. Camel. Mm-hmm. And I was one of the actors, a series of blackouts, which we did in a, pa- in a basement of one of the dorms. But what was unusual is he charged people 50 cents to get in because he wanted to pay the actors. Oh my God. Yeah. And how much money did you get? A couple dollars? I don't remember. Oh. And this was his first play? Yes. Did you know he was going to be this amazing playwright? No. In fact, when it happened, I felt like I was, uh, I wasn't sure I was willing to share my best friend with the public. Mm-hmm. Every time he had a play opening on Broadway, beginning with American Buffalo, he and I would go to Queens to wait for the reviews. I don't know why. You'd go to Queens and yeah. wait to get the paper. Yeah, just in some diner. We'd hang, hang out in some diner. So he did, he did read reviews. He does read reviews, which is... Well, I mean, the only one that really matters is the New York Times. Yeah. Which is so sad, don't you think? It is sad. Yeah. Um, but they have so much power. One night after, uh, I think it was after Glenn, Gary Glenn Ross opened, he had a party at Sardi's with Robert Duvall, mm-hmm. uh, Tuesday World. Wow. Maybe Mike Nichols and Elaine, and Mike Nichols and Elaine May were there. But very star-studded. Right. And me. So the waiter came with a check. 
I was the only one who was was not a famous actor. Right. Um, so he gave me the check, and I'm in the, all of a sudden the position of saying, "So Tuesday, you had the um, <laughs> the real piccata. Am I right? Am I right? Did you have any? Odds? Any sides? <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> What happened? Did you what you do with the check? That's so funny. Well, everybody had left, and I'm just sitting there with the waiter and just trying to figure it out. I had no money in on me. Right, right. So David came back and said, "Put it on my tab." Wow, that is fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, you graduate college. You have a band called Cats and the Jammers. It's an R and B group. Cats and Jammers. Cats and, oh, right, and Jammers, sorry. <laughs> I'm a little nervous, you know, you are a doctor. <laughs> and um, you also co-wrote House of Games and Things Change with no, David Mamet, no? Nope. No. Or you were in Things Change and you right. co- co-wrote House House of Games, correct? I've got a story credit on, on House of Games. Didn't I live the life of the characters in House of Games? But when he was writing House of Games, I got him coffee, essentially. So, And you got a... Story credit. He was a very generous credit. Got me into the Writers Guild. But, you know, that's very unusual because there's so many people who can't, who will not, that I, you know, I've worked in the business a long time and I've written for people and there's so many people who are not like that. And it's like they have to take credit for everything. So it's a rare breed, don't you think? Oh, Absolutely. You uh, not only were the New York State ping pong champion, which, by the way, we had a, is that a Jewish thing, the ping pong? Because we had a ping pong table in our basement. And that was like our one form of exercise, too, in our house. I'll tell you, during the 1930s, the world of table tennis was dominated by Hungarian Jews. Is that true? Yes. I think it might it might have been a Jewish game in New York. You know who was a good player was Uncle Dirty was a good ping pong player. Oh, Uncle Dirty. I loved him. Do your audience will your audience know who that is? No. These are people that at the that were at the New York Improv. Uncle Dirty was such a great the characters. I love that place. And I was just like, I was in my early twenties. Um, and I got to see some of the greatest comics yeah, perform. I was, in, I was in my late 30s while you were in your early 20s. Hey everyone, did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the United States with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the United States? And I'm one of them. You're listening to one of them. Fast Growing Trees has everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and your space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever, forever. I just want you to know that I just got off a plane and I walked in my apartment. What was the first thing I did is I came in and said hi to Avi, my fig tree. I'm telling you, and I have Yael, which is another plant, but Fast Growing Trees has changed my atmosphere. 
here in my apartment. You don't need a lot of space, but they do have, you know, they have stuff for outdoor spaces. But I live in an apartment and I'm telling you, Avi and Yael, yes, they're both Jewish names, Hebrew. The space looks so much better. And I just had a conversation with Avi. Like, I was like, I missed you. I love having living things here. It's very, very, I don't know. It's made this more of a home. It's the best. And Elisa has some too. And she loves them. And she talks to them too. But she got that from me. Anyway, check out Fast Growing Trees. You need to be around plant life. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code Judy Gold, J U D Y G O L D, at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code Judy Gold at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code Judy Gold. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You're welcome. You hitchhiked to California with your cousin, Paul. 1963. Okay. I was uh, not even one yet. But so you're hitchhiking. Right. Right. And we went to the Grand Canyon. But in 1963... The only way to get down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon was you had to go down on a mule. Yeah. And you did it hurt your throat? So, um... <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a tag. I need a tag there because it's such a dirty joke. You, yeah, but you could say you had to go down on a mule. He enjoyed it. He enjoyed it, maybe. Yeah, I would say something like that. Or, you know, I couldn't talk for three, whatever. Can you talk, because a lot of people who listen to this would never even think, like, hitchhiking across the country during the 60s was, like, it wasn't like your parents were like, oh, my God, you know, people hitchhiked. And they could get in cars and not feel like the person's going to take out a rifle and kill them. Is that correct? This is long before they invented perverts. Right. Because John Wayne Gacy, yeah. But it was a thing of that period of time, right? Where you could just, you would just hitchhike with a destination and get out of a car. What was that like? I can tell you what my goal was. I I wanted to find out if women in different cities or different, away from New York, found me attractive. Is that true? Yeah. And especially California. I I was hoping that Girls in California would find me attractive. God, you're very simple. They didn't, by the way. Shocking. Now, did you, how would it work? You would get in a car and say, where are you going? Can you drop us off blank? Like, how did, like, can you just, I think it's fascinating. Well, we get picked, one time we were were, were waiting for six hours for a ride. Uh Uh-huh. On the side of the road? Yeah. And the guy who picked us up said, you know, you're standing across the road from a state penitentiary. <laughs> um, but most of the times we, we would just have normal families, a couple with kids. Right. And they'd say, get in. Yeah. Where, where are you headed? We're heading to California, but we'll, we'll take you. We'll go as far west as you can take us. Where would you sleep and stuff? One night we slept in jail. No way. Because the police thought we would be safer 
sleeping in jail than on the streets of this particular town. And you, how long did it take you to get all the way across country? I don't know, three months. No, it didn't. Did it really? Yeah. Three months? That seemed like a long time. Yes. Okay, then two months. Judy, the truth, I have nothing against the truth, but it's not the first thing that occurs to me. Yeah, I noticed that. You really like, what do you think that is psychologically? That you like to sort of... My wife has discovered that after 40 years of marriage, that a lot of the things I have told her are not true. Like I never had dinner with Jackie Robinson did not come to our home for dinner. And does she get mad at you? Yeah. Do you think that you have an, a, a compulsive lying issue? I would say I have a compulsive lying gift. And do you get off on people believing your lies and going with them? Because it's a game, right? Yeah, it's not unlike telling a joke. Right. But it's annoying. Yeah. For the other person, because they believe you, and then you're like, oh, so did you not hit your... I, I never revealed the, the lie to people in that decade. Do you feel like your daughters are suffering emotionally because of your compulsive lying? No. Really? I just think that hitchhiking across the United States is something that our kids, my kids, will never experience. That that was a, you know, a, a thing that happened that will never happen again because we can't, we don't even trust. Do you, I mean, I don't trust anyone. But have you ever spent time in a place like Martha's Vineyard? Yeah. I mean, I'm in Provincetown right now. Would you would you let your kids hitchhike around Provincetown? Yeah, of course. No, well, but you wouldn't do it through the entire country. Right. Were you afraid? Were you afraid, oh, we're Jews or anything like that? Yeah, I was afraid that the fact that we were Jews could get us in trouble. Really? Or the fact that we were New Yorkers. Right. Well, you know, there is that, you know, people are always like, oh, you're so New York, which really means you're too, you're so Jewish. But you are, you end up being Robin Williams' musical supervisor. What was it? You were his, uh, his musical director. Did he, what did he do music-wise? This is what happened. He, he, his first wife, Valerie Velarde, was an ex-girlfriend of mine from Goddard. Really? Yeah. And that was your one non-Jewish girlfriend? No. Okay. But um, she played him a couple of my songs and she said, you should do these on your tour. And one was called Born to be Punished, which he did. And another one was a song I wrote with David Mamet called This Heart is Closed for Alterations. So I didn't, I had no idea he sang during his. He was awful. Yeah. I've heard you say that before. Yeah, but he also was, he he would do funny things. He turned it into comedy, the songs. Right. And one song he did on Wolf and Mindy. Yes, I read that, which probably was good. De Niro for you. Oh, yeah, if you consider $2.80 good. I I thought the music, you know, 
ASCAP paid a lot of money, but I guess I'm wrong. You know, for a couple of years, maybe, but now we get these tiny checks. Oh, please. I had a one cent check the other day. One cent. I forgot what, who it was from. It's upstairs. I'm going to um, frame it. Uh, you know, Gilbert has a one cent check in his bathroom, like <laughs> framed, a, a residual. But I just want to ask you one thing about yeah. Gilbert. Have you heard his impression of Jay Leno? No, I'm probably, but yeah. It's so wonderful. I love Gilbert. Yeah. How did you get into stand-up comedy? Well, I think I got interested in it because Robin's opening act were very funny. Who were they? An act called Rick and Ruby. Mm -hmm. Did you travel with with him? Yeah, for a year. Okay. And you played and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And did you become very close with him or? We became good friends and, and he became a father around the same time I did. Mm-hmm. He was afraid if his son wore a, a shirt that was too girly, bad things could happen. Is that true? Yeah. I can't believe a fucking thing you say. Well, because I've disqualified myself as a truth teller. Right. Well, that part, that thing is actually true. But Wow. That's interesting. Did you but know he was depressed? Yeah, I did. But mm-hmm. I'm telling you, the biggest the biggest laugh I've ever gotten in comedy was at Catch a Rising Star when I said, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Robin Williams. Not laugh, I mean applause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a wave. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, I remember hanging out there and I got to see the greatest comedians work. The greatest. So how did, so you realized that they, and you were, did you come back to New York and start doing stand up, or were you doing jokes while you were on stage with Robin? No, no. When I was with Robin, I was just trying not to fall off my stool. Right. Because I was so nervous and so sweaty. Right. I had, I didn't have any lines. I sang harmony and I played acoustic guitar. Right. And then when did you do your first stand up set? And what did your wife say? In 1981. Right. Was it at the improv? Yeah. Did you stand online or, or you know, because you used to have to stand online. You had to pick a number in the morning, right? You, you stand online to pick a number and then you could. I didn't go through that. I don't know. Somehow, maybe maybe Dom helped me bypass that, that thing. Right. And Silver was a big fan of mine. Yeah. After the first set. Silver Friedman once said to me, Jonathan, that's strike two. Why? Because Robert Klein was preparing for a special. Right. And I don't know if you remember, I used to go on stage with a tape recorder. Yes. Controller for my guitar. Right. But I forgot to turn it off. So the noise was distracting him. I never oh. found out what strike one was. Oh, we, we can call her and find out. Yeah. I started doing stand-up in 82 uh, when I was in college. And then I would come to New York uh, to try to get on on Monday nights at Catch Rising Star. I remember you and I remember watching your friend who I thought was brilliant, Ronnie Shakes. And to this day, I tell comedians 
to watch Ronnie Shakes, um, to go look him up. I tell them to go look up Margaret Smith. Well, she was wonderful. Yeah. Um, but Ronnie would go on stage with the clipboard, and if a joke didn't work, he tried the same joke. No, he tried it again with a different punchline, and then he would cross it off. I remember that. Yeah. He was really a workhorse. Yeah. And he died jogging on a fucking shitty comedy gig. Right. I mean, isn't that the worst way to die? You go out for a jog, you're working at some fucking shitty comedy club in Ohio, you go out for a jog and dead. I mean, do you still keep in touch with his wife? I remember her. She did stand up for a while too. Sue Larson? Sue, Susie? Yeah. I don't. At one point, I wanted to turn his act into a um, a franchise. And right. I wanted to call it an evening without Ronnie Shakes. Like in one night, it would be, one night it would be Gilbert portraying Ronnie, because he, right. he we were good friends. So you, Gilbert, and Ronnie were sort of a friend group. I, I don't think Ronnie particularly liked me. I mean, he, he was more in the Alfonso Graham school. Right. I don't. I don't think he disliked me, but I think we worked together once in Boston, and that was fun. You know, but we didn't hang out or anything. He was brilliant. Did you get on Letterman before the Tonight Show? Yeah, nineteen eighty-five. So it, within four years, you're doing your first late-night set, which is really pretty incredible, don't you think? Well, now that you mention, I mean, it usually takes people like ten, fifteen years. Yeah, I did have to put my guitar aside. Bob Morton said, "If you want to go on the show, you have to. You can't, you can't use a guitar." Dave doesn't like guitar acts. Did you know David Letterman before you went on? No. A lot of these, no. He loved you. I met him the first time I went on, and I never saw him again except on stage. That was it? Yeah. Um, and you ended up doing seven? Seven or eight Lettermans? Or? Nine. Nine. Okay, I was close. You know, seven, eight, nine. And now nine's gone. Um, but you love nine. You love the number nine. Yeah, the nine table. Did you do yeah. Letterman? Never did Letterman. Did the Tonight Show. I I think I'm too loud and energetic f- for Letterman. He liked very subtle. Great. Thank you so much for listening to part one of Kill Me Now with Jonathan Katz. Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling. This podcast would not be possible without the help and dedication of Brittany Jo Sowards. Please subscribe. Please leave a review. Five stars. That's it. Five stars like I'm an Uber driver. Okay? Buy my book. Yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians. We're all in trouble. Download my CDs. Do whatever. Just bring me into your life more. That's all you need to do to be happy. Also check out judygold.com that's judygold.com and you will see uh links to buy my book you will see where i'm performing because i'm gonna be performing in provincetown all summer long but i also have a gig in atlanta so check that out and you can follow me on tweetar and instagram for every all my thoughts all my innermost thoughts upcoming live and virtual i don't think we're doing virtual events anymore I mean, I hope not. 
I mean, I kind of didn't hate them, but I kind of did hate them. So whatever. You can follow me at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D. You know, like Jew, gold, because I'm a Jew. Uh, that's on Twitter and Instagram. And again, thank you so much for listening. If you haven't been vaccinated, please get vaccinated. Seriously. What the fuck? Also, happy pride. Happy pride, everyone. I am a proud Jew and a proud Lizzie. So there you go. All right. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Be well. And as we always say, so long. Ga, 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 ga. Don't forget to tune in next week to Just Kill Me Now. Um, or, it's Just Kill Me. Oh. Don't forget to turn uh, for part two on Just Kill Me. No, it's not. It's <laughs> just, just Kill Me. Now. No, Judy no. Gold's no, Just Kill Me. Just Kill Me Now. Just Kill Me Now. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.